you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. You must know that, that I want to work for you. I clearly want this job, not, not for me, but because it gives me a chance to continue my life project of public service in a new way. Here's why you know I want this job. This is the fifth time my name has been on the ballot in less than two years for the same doggone job. On Tuesday, Georgians will cast their vote in the election for U.S. Senate. And yet again, Reverend Raphael Warnock is on the ballot. His opponent is Republican Herschel Walker, the one-time star running back for the University of Georgia football team. And even though Walker and Warnock ran against one another in the midterm election less than a month ago, the circumstances around this race have shifted dramatically. We already know that Democrats are going to have a majority because they have the 50-50 with Vice President Harris being that tie-breaking vote. Sabrina Rodriguez is a political reporter at The Post, and she has been spending a lot of time in Georgia. So the stakes of the race at a national level changed once we had the results out of Arizona and Nevada. However, for a lot of voters that I talk to in Georgia, it's not about that anymore. It's about who they think is the right fit to represent them in Washington, who they think represents, you know, Georgia values. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, December 5th. Today, we head once again to Georgia, where Democrats want to add to their majority in the Senate. And the GOP hopes it can find a silver lining in a tough midterm year. Georgia um, is pretty unique, unlike other states that we've seen, you know, where if you don't hit 50 percent in many states across the country, whoever has the highest number of votes will win. But in Georgia, it's not like that. In Georgia, because of the law here, you have to hit 50 percent or more of the vote to be able to win outright. Otherwise, the election goes to a runoff. So what we saw on election night was that Warnock was ahead by about 36,000 votes ahead of his opponent, Republican candidate Herschel Walker, but did not hit that 50%. So that triggered this quick four-week turnaround time to get to a runoff election, which is what we have up ahead on December 6th. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Herschel Walker. So he's a former football star, and I think that's a lot of the reason why he has name recognition in this race. But over the last few months, he has also been at the center of so many headlines um, and has really, I think, defined a lot of this campaign. Can you talk a little bit more about him, who he is, and why he has been so controversial during the course of this campaign? Walker, from the beginning, was a controversial pick because former President Trump really championed for him to run. Tremendous. He had a tremendous career. Herschel has been one of the greatest athletes in America, and I know he will go down also as one of the greatest senators 
in America. So, Herschel, please say a few words. And then his candidacy, I mean, the first thing was that he didn't live in Georgia. Prior to announcing his run, he had to change his voter registration to Georgia um, and then kind of talked about, you know, that he was now living in Georgia but had his house that he'd been living in for decades in Texas. So that's kind of was the, the beginning of it. And then there's been many gaffes along the way. There's been, you know, many moments of him saying certain details about his life that were later proven to not be true. And Democrats have really seized on that. I mean, on the campaign trail, you hear Warnock and any Democrat that he campaigns with talking about how Walker has lied about all these details about his life. Then how do you know that he won't do that when he's in office? We will see time and time again tonight, as we've already seen, that my opponent has a problem with the truth. I... I And and just because he said something doesn't mean it's true. His campaign has been dogged by allegations of violence, of domestic abuse. And in the last month leading up to the general election, it was a lot having to do with abortions. He's been a staunchly anti-abortion candidate. And it came out allegations from two former girlfriends that he had pressured and paid for them to have abortions. So I didn't know who it was until uh, last week. And I went, oh, and I said, that's not true. And, but uh, they still ran with it. And, and so I said, you know, that's not true. I would say, that's a lie. I call it a lie. And that's kind of the big allegations that have really followed him in, in the last months of the campaign. And to what extent do you think that had an effect on how many Republicans were willing to vote for Walker? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, when it came to the November election, the result was still quite close, right? It was. um, There's no question that many Republicans quickly rallied around him. And we saw it even at the national level where national Republicans, uh, folks like, you know, Senators Cruz and Lindsey Graham and the RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel and Rick Scott with the National Republican Senatorial Committee. I mean, many Republican lawmakers and leaders have embraced Walker and have been coming down to Georgia to say, you know, we support him in spite of all the headlines you've seen, in spite of the scandals and the controversy, we're backing him. So here's what you can do to help Herschel Walker and to help your own family. If you live in Georgia, vote for Herschel Tell your friends to vote for Herschel. If you don't have a friend, go make one. If you don't live in Georgia, you can tell people you know in Georgia to vote for Herschel. But all of us can send some money. to. Now, the reality is that for an election that is so close, it did have an impact. We can't do a one-to-one connection of X allegation resulted in X amount of votes. However, what we did see was that Walker is the only Republican on the statewide ballot that did not win on election night. Every other Republican that was running on the statewide ticket did end victoriously on that night. And the big comparison that has been made is with Governor Brian Kemp, um, who won decisively over Democrat Stacey Abrams on that night. Um, It was, I think, about a seven points his win. And that's kind of where we've seen a lot of the energy being channeled in the runoff. There's more than 200,000 Georgia voters that supported Kemp, the Republican governor, and did not support Walker. And then we've really seen Warnock and Walker both trying to make a play for those folks to get them out to come back to the polls, even when Kemp is not on the ballot. 
And let's talk a little bit more about Raphael Warnock as well. Talk a little bit more about why he has been so um, appealing to voters, especially black voters in Georgia, what he's been doing for the last couple of years and kind of who he is and why he is or is not a strong candidate. He's the senior pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is, you know, a historic figure in the Atlanta area. It is where Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was co-pastor during the civil rights movement. Um, So that's sort of the background to Warnock. You know, he has been involved um, in many progressive spaces in the state for years, even before that, serving on different boards of major organizations in the state. But Warnock, you know, he touts on the campaign trail so much the record that he has built in Washington. And for him, it's oftentimes talking about him trying to lower healthcare costs. He often talks about him putting forth a bill to tackle capping the cost of insulin. He also, you know, has focused very much on voting rights. And he's very honest in saying that that's one that he hasn't been able to tackle yet, that he, you know, has pushed really hard for Congress to take up voting rights legislation and that just hasn't happened yet. Um, So he talks very often about his willingness to work across the aisle. On the campaign trail, he talks oftentimes about, you know, working with Senators Marco Rubio and Senator Ted Cruz on different pieces of legislation, um, one focused on an amendment that would deal with, you know, a highway between Georgia and Texas. And with Rubio, it's dealing with, you know, maternal mortality rate. But he really tries to drive home this point that he is a moderate choice, that he is going to work with whoever it need be to deliver for the people of Georgia. So what kind of message um, do you think both parties are hoping that a victory in this election will send to voters in Georgia and will send nationally? Democrats really want to send a message that Republican candidates like Herschel Walker, who was handpicked by Trump to run for office, don't have a place representing people in the U.S. Senate. You know, in the end, what we've consistently heard from Warnock and we've heard other Democrats say it as well is that the race is about, quote, character and competence. This race is about competence. It also requires an awareness of the challenges facing Georgians and a willingness and ability to work with them to address them. Herschel Walker has shown us that he's not capable. He's not ready to do any of that. In fact, he's shown us that he's not really interested in doing any of that. For Republicans, they want to send the message that people are not happy with how the country is doing right now. That is the the resounding message that you hear from Republican surrogates on the ground supporting Walker, and that is what you hear from Walker himself. You have to blame this administration and Senator Warnock because within two years, this inflation has gotten worse. They uh, cut our energy uh, independence. They also raised taxes. And at the same time, they reckless spending all our money. So he was seeing- There's no question that they're doing some level of soul searching right now after seeing that they did not have the level of performance that they expected in the midterms. You know, the red wave didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I think that this race is the last opportunity for them to say that their messaging did work and really being able to say that, look, Herschel Walker's candidacy and this focus on culture war issues and even having this flawed candidate could still result in a victory because people are unhappy with the way that the country is being run right now. 
After the break, I talk with Sabrina about why Walker's campaign strategy has shifted since the midterms. We'll be right back. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Earlier, you mentioned the fact that former President Trump was also involved in this race, that he was really pushing Herschel Walker as a candidate. Um, I think one of the big takeaways from the midterms was that a lot of Trump's candidates or the the ones that he backed, that they didn't end up doing so well. Um, And so I wonder how we have seen Trump involved in these last four weeks, if he's kind of continued to... uh, kind of push Walker or if he's edging away in light of the fact that his help doesn't seem to be that effective. Yeah, so Trump and and Walker's team ultimately agreed for him not to get involved in the race. You know, there had been talk in the first days after the general election of, you know, how involved will Trump be? You know, obviously we saw the results on election night. Um, And and it was sort of a question of, is he going to try and insert himself in Georgia? Because he didn't do it in the general election. You know, he didn't come to Georgia and campaign. And Republicans here in Georgia, you know, were, it was a sigh, a collective sigh of relief that didn't happen because they did not think that that would benefit them. Um, And they were able to persuade Trump again to not get involved. There's been a question in the final days of if he would do a tele-rally um, and do some kind of remote efforts, but he has stayed away. Um, and instead, Walker's team has been trying to find more moderate voices or who are perceived as more moderate vo- voices, such as Governor Kemp, to vouch for him instead of having a focus on tying Walker with Trump. And has Kemp been doing that, coming out for Walker? Kemp has. Um, you know, Kemp in the days after the election has said, you know, that he would do what he could for Walker. They headlined a rally together and Kemp has been featured heavily in ads. I mean, there's several mail ads, for example, that have been sent out that do not have Herschel Walker's face, do not have a picture of Herschel Walker or anything, but have a picture of Kemp saying, go vote for Herschel Walker in the runoff. Um, so there is definitely leaning in to Kemp supporting him. But, you know, for a lot of people, there is a question of how authentic Kemp's support is because in the general election, he largely steered clear of Walker. They never held an event together. And his line on the campaign trail, Kemp's, was that he, you know, was was focused on winning, was focused on getting the entire ticket elected, But now he has done some efforts to really get people to support Walker as well. And what about on the Democrat side? Like, who are the VIPs who are coming out to Georgia to try to help Warnock win this? It has been a huge contrast from Republicans. Um, There's no question. I mean, Republicans have, like, descended upon Georgia even before the general election to boost Walker's candidacy 
But on the Warnock side, he has tried to distance himself to some extent from the National Party and saying, like, this is about me. This is about who I am as a candidate. This is about how I am focused on representing the people of Georgia. He has been very careful to try and not nationalize this race. For example, President Biden has not been in Georgia. Biden on Friday was in Massachusetts for a fundraiser that was aimed at, you know, helping Warnock. But in terms of who would come down, the biggest ticket, the highest profile surrogate was Obama. (laughs) No question. Would you give a great Georgia welcome to a man who needs no introduction? The 44th president of the United States, President Barack Obama. Obama came down ahead of the general election, and people were definitely clamoring for him to come back down, and he did um, in the final days. Um, on Thursday, he came down to, to Atlanta and held a rally with Warnock, where he made very clear and kind of reiterated the points that, that he had already said in the previous um, rally, but, but saying, you know, the importance of, of reelecting Warnock and him really emphasizing that he thinks that Walker is not a good fit um, and him thinking that Walker does not have the competence to be a senator. I'm here to tell you that we can't let up. I'm here to tell you we can't tune out. We can't be complacent. We have to run through the tape. And that means all of us doing our part to make sure that Raphael Warnock goes back to being the United States senator from the great state of Georgia. Warnock has had, you know, other folks behind the scenes involved in canvassing and phone banks and sending out fundraising emails. He did campaign recently with Senator Cory Booker. He's been often on the campaign trail with Senator John Ossoff, um, who he calls his brother from another mother, since they both, you know, went through the runoffs together in 2021. But he has not had, you know, a mass number of, of Democrats because he really wants to say this election is about me. This election is about the best pick for Georgia. And let's not nationalize it too much. So, Sabrina, I think one of the reasons why this race has been so high profile is not only because the Senate is has been in, in such high contention, but also because there were so many controversial restrictions on voting that um, have that have happened in Georgia over the past few months, the last couple of years. And so I want to talk a little bit more about the actual voting itself, because mail-in voting, early voting is already underway in Georgia. How have things gone and um, what are we seeing in terms of people's ability and um, interest in voting? There was a Republican-backed voting law that was signed into law um, last year that, you know, made many changes to voting in Georgia. With the runoff, the biggest question around voting has been just how many days of early voting there would be. This year, statewide voting for the runoff only required in all 159 counties of the state for five days. For reference, in the general election, it was about three weeks. But with only five, you know, required statewide in-person early voting days, that means there's not that many opportunities to go out and vote. There was specifically a very big question around if there could be Saturday voting. Democrats and Warnock's campaign sued the state 
to have that Saturday voting. It went through several appeals. Um, Republicans ended up getting involved and tried to appeal the case. But ultimately, the state had to offer Saturday voting. Um, That Saturday voting ended up only being offered in certain counties, many being Democratic strongholds. But even in spite of all the questions around what days can people go early voting, which counties are offering voting on which days, there has been historic early voting turnout. It's an open question of if those numbers will match what the 2021 runoffs looked like. Um, But in terms of just individual single day in-person early voting, we have seen strong turnout, no question about it. And what's your sense of what this has been like for election workers who have been under a ton of pressure, especially in Georgia? It has been exhausting. I mean, there's no question. You know, we ended the general election and then there was a question of certifying the results from the general election while people are preparing for who's going to be working at the polls, for people figuring out, okay, well, what's the schedule in the county? Um, Because even with that question around Saturday voting that happened, you know, that wasn't resolved until the day before Thanksgiving. And we have seen, I mean, there have been places across the state with early voting that there have been massive lines. And that is just a question of bandwidth. When you have lots of people coming in at once and a limited number of polling locations and people, you know, saying, okay, well, this is Atlanta. I either have to drive 45 minutes to get somewhere else or let me stand in this line ends up, you know, overwhelming some of these locations. Sabrina, I also want to talk a little more about what's at stake here. So we mentioned earlier that right now we know Democrats are going to have control of the Senate, whether it's 50 or 51 seats that they have. But what's the difference between those two scenarios? Like, why will it matter to Democrats whether they have this 51st seat in the Senate and how could that change things? For Democrats, there is a big difference. Um, It's no secret that Democrats in the existing composition of the Senate, that's 50-50, have had challenges getting anything done um, because getting every single Democratic senator on board hasn't been easy. So having that 51st vote does give them cushion. And another aspect of this, too, is judicial nominees, for example. That is something that goes through the Senate. And having... 51 Democratic senators means that the committees that are responsible for voting out judicial nominees have a majority in those committees to be able to do that. And that's kind of a big piece here. And it's setting them up for 2024. We think of this midterm not being done and that there's, you know, just a few more days, no results and figuring out what the the outcome of the runoff is going to be. But there's already a huge question around 2024 and who the candidates are going to be, what the races are going to look like. And having 51 Democratic senators definitely puts them in a better position as they head into that presidential year. Sabrina, thank you so much. This was so fascinating. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sabrina Rodriguez is a national political reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's episode was produced by Arjun Singh, it was mixed by Sean Carter, and it was edited by Lucy Perkins. We have an episode coming up next week about the science of joy, and we want to hear from you. So it's about this idea of joy snacking, like finding joy in mundane little moments and why joy snacks are so important for our well-being. 
So if you have any small routines or rituals that give you joy, whether it's going for a walk with a cup of coffee or cuddling your dog or whatever, let us know what these little simple pleasures are and why they mean a lot to you. Send us a voice memo at postreports at washpost.com with the subject line, Joy Snacking. We can't wait to hear from you. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.